Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to Wednesday Night Live. This is Ron Crawford coming to you from the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it is a great privilege to be able to reach out to not only my congregation, but to the Saints Network family across the world. I want to begin by giving a personal word of thanks to all of you for praying for us here in Texas. Um, I am very happy that it's been 70 plus degrees the last few days. Uh, A week ago at this time, we were ensconced in ice and frigid temperatures, but now as Texas is, We've just, we've just leapfrogged into spring. So thank you for your prayers for us. I must say that even though there were some very dire conditions here in the state, um, don't believe everything that the national media was saying. I mean, we, we did have issues, but it is not <clears throat> the sign of the apocalypse that is still being heralded in a a battle zone for the Green New Deal. Uh, it's just Texas. Uh, you know, the point just the old the old timer would say, well, if it gets down to zero and it reaches all the way down to Galveston on the coast with that temperature, Texas does not uh, prepare itself for that kind of weather. So, I mean, it's going to be 113 degrees in the summer. That's what we're prepared for. And so um, neither are preferable, but to cast this as some kind of a malfeasance, yeah, there were undoubtedly mishandlings of things, and there are some things that I just don't understand. But you're going to have people that are just goofy everywhere, and you, you, you just have to... You have to hold fast, trust the Lord, and believe that everything's going to be fine. And that kind of brings us to the message that the Lord has brought for us to consider today. And I've titled it, Love Apples. Sounds like a Marx Brothers movie. Horse feathers and love apples. And to discover this, we're going to revisit the life of... uh, uh, our, our friend Jacob, and uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 30, and here we find Jacob still in the household of his father-in-law Laban, who was to all intents and purposes somewhat of a shyster. Uh, we, we recognize that Jacob entered into an agreement with uh, Laban that he would serve uh, in order to gain the hand of the girl that he really loved, uh, the daughter of uh, the daughter of Laban named Rachel. And um, Laban did a, a bait and switch. He he agreed to this, but then. On the wedding night, he substituted Rachel for the older sister, who wasn't as good-looking, Leah. Now, I still have problems with this. I mean, Jacob 
on the wedding night, I don't want to go too far with this, but was he was he drunk on pomegranate juice? Uh, or was it just so pitch black dark in that tent that he didn't know that the girl that he really loved wasn't the one that he was in there with? I mean, honestly, you know, I'm over 60 years old and I, I'm not, um, I'm not skilled in all the measures of amore. Perhaps a Frenchman could explain this better. So you can write to Luke and he can answer this for you. But I, I still don't understand how Jacob did not know almost immediately that there had been a switcheroo. But be that as it may, it was in, in the morning that he figured it out. And he comes and uh, then he... Uh, he is able to gain Rachel too. Now, Leah was not innocent in this. She knew good and full well that she was part of this chicanery. So I'm not, I am not excusing her. The thing that, that I don't understand is, I think it, it does go back to the fact that Jacob went on ahead with his um, went on ahead with the matrimony and then asked for a rebate um, because see here here's the challenge and this is something that happens throughout the scripture and we're, we're going to get to the topic the love apples here in a minute God favors Leah um, God sees that she was hated and opens her womb. And it's, it's like she becomes uh, very, very fruitful. But Rachel, the one that Jacob loved, who would become the mother of Joseph and Benjamin, Rachel's got a, a barren condition, which is very similar to <laughs> how many miracle people in the Bible. For Leah, things were just easy peasy, and God was blessing that. But for the covenant person, it wasn't that easy. And um, I, I just, I see that happening I see that happening throughout the scripture. I've seen it in my life, and I'm sure you've seen it in yours. Um, you've got the covenant. God gives you promises. You're grateful to be in alignment with him. But then it seems like there's some built-in competition or jealousy or others competing for what is really yours. I mean, it's everywhere in Scripture. I mean, it goes back to Cain and Abel. I mean, we, we find the thing with uh, um, Esau and Jacob. We find David and Saul. We find, I mean, it just goes on. Joseph and his brothers. It, it's, just, it's just everywhere. And you think, why? 
Why? Um, and and I, I, I'm not sure if you just eliminated Leah from the whole thing. I'm pretty sure that Rachel would still have been barren because that seems to be part of what it means to partner in grace. Hannah was barren. Hannah, grace. Um, and she had to go before the Lord in supplication. It just seems like that is a component of our walk with God. And what it really does, it's not designed to, to, um, to create a saint's ninja program. I mean, it's, it's designed to align with the miracle way that God does things. And um, we just have to recognize that, and we have to not take matters into our own hands. I mean, I don't know how many times in my life, and this isn't about me, but how many times in my life I'd think, I know what God is saying. I know what he's doing here. I'm not in a position where uh, I'm believing that he's going to give a promise and then I'm going to take out somebody else and I can finally rise to the front, to the top. Uh, I'm not in that position. But I sure have dealt with people who, who want to take out the leader. And they all have issues. Some people are just competitive. Some people are prideful. Some people are, they're jealous. Some people, oh, woe is me. Why do you give this there and not to me? You know, Lord, I'm suffering here under this. I don't have, I don't have patience for that. I don't. I mean, I, I served here as, a, as an assistant pastor in some really odd and challenging things for seven years. I mean, I'm kind of like Jacob here. Um, and I mean, I, I remember I could give illustration after illustration, and I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm getting too old to stretch my hand back that far. But I remember when uh, it was coming time for the, the former pastor to retire and there was discussion as to who was going to follow him after he'd been here for 34 years. And um, he talked to me about it and, and Debbie and I prayed, but I knew that this was what God wanted, even though a lot of people said, don't do it. It's almost a death knell to follow somebody who's been here that long. And that just makes sense. It doesn't make political sense. But, you know, I, I was just a kid. I was 29. And um, I saw this cavalcade of people who were just coming out of, the, out of the woodwork who wanted to promote themselves for the next pastorate. People that I, I had been here seven years, I'd never seen them before. And here they were. And, you know, you, you just go through this whole thing. This is, this is not an issue, I mean, for us to be discussing here. But my point is, you have to stay true to what God has promised you. Not what you have fantasized God will do as a result. <clears throat> And a lot of people do that, don't they? 
well, you know, I'm going to just look pious and I'm going to do my job, but I know that if I do this, God's going to do this for me. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Because uh, a lot of the problem we have is that people's expectations don't materialize into reality, and then they just start the blame game and they start attacking. And you always be wary of somebody who has a duplicitous agenda. You know, they may be smiling in your face. It's like the old Motown song. All the time they want to take your place. They're backstabbers. That was in the hymnal that Robert Fulton and I are putting together. Um, so, I mean, you see this story with Jacob. And here's the deal. He's there living under his father-in-law's rule. Now, he shouldn't have been there that long. 14 years, that's crazy. That's, that's just craziness, especially when Abraham said about Isaac, you know, Eliezer, you go over and you bring a wife back. Don't take my son up there. Obviously, Isaac didn't bother to tell that story to Jacob. I mean, he was just, he was willing to go and surrender him under the covering of Laban because he was afraid of his other son, Esau which shows a total lack of management in that household. I, I don't understand that. Um, I mean, it, what should have happened was when Esau came and said, you know, you, you gave the birthright, what Isaac should have said, yeah, and who sold it? You made this deal, so you live with it now. And, but he didn't do that. He, you know, he sends his son up to a place that he shouldn't have been in. He probably should have come away with a woman, but that obviously could have happened. Uh, Eleazar proved it. Laban buckled to Eleazar, but now here he's got, he's got, um, he's got Jacob. And so Jacob's got these two wives, one that he doesn't love and the other that he does love. The one that he doesn't really love is popping out babies and then um, the other one that he does love is barren and so but but it's apparent from the story we're going to read that the one that he does love Rachel was controlling who had access to Jacob and she was really in charge but the other one and her handmaidens were um were, you know, were the ones that were being productive, so to speak. There's so much weird about this. But I think that the way you, the way you have to parse it out is to, is to realize what is God's principle. Jacob did some bizarre things here, and he had to pay the price for them. Um. Rachel was probably going to be barren anyway because that's how the miracles seem to happen. Um, but their response, what they do is they, they get into this mating game and all the, these patriarchs are, are being born to, you know, the woman that Jacob doesn't love to a bunch of handmaids and then Rachel gets in on the action, and um, it brings us to the point that we're going to talk about today in 
love apples. And in Genesis chapter 30, verse 14, Reuben went in the days of wheat and harvest and found mandrakes in the field, brought them unto his mother Leah. Then Rachel said to Leah, Give me, I pray thee, of thy son's mandrakes. And she said unto her, Is it a small matter that thou hast taken my husband? And wouldest thou take away my son's mandrakes also? And Rachel said, Therefore he shall lie with thee tonight for thy son's mandrakes. Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, You must come in to me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. And Leah said, God has given me my hire, because I have given my maiden to my husband. And she called his name Issachar. Hmm. And then uh, <clears throat> she conceived again <clears throat> and gave birth to Zebulun. Issachar and Zebulun, two of our favorite groups. Issachar, the tribe that knew what Israel ought to do understanding the times and seasons. Who would have ever thought that this tribe would emerge from this kind of chicanery. Now, let's dig a little deeper into this story, okay? Why did I call this love apples, this message? Because mandrakes, and the original Hebrew for mandrake was very similar to the Hebrew word for love. And mandrakes were, were called in the ancient world love apples. It was considered to be an aphrodisiac. <clears throat> In other words, <clears throat> it was supposed to superstitiously uh, produce passion and um, welcome uh, virility. How's that? And um, but it was all it was all superstitious. But in the time frame. This is what these people believed. So Rachel did not barter with her sister because she wanted to make Mandrake cobbler. <clears throat> that's, that's not, that wasn't it. <clears throat> it wasn't that she was a, a fruititarian and wanted just to have some of this fruit. She knew good and well what this represented, and here she was in barrenness, and she sees those and she thinks, <clears throat> maybe, just maybe, if I have some of these love apples, maybe I can eat some, maybe I can give it to Jacob, and uh, we'll have a baby. Now, why is this important? Well, first of all, the plan as conceived, didn't work. The woman who bartered her timeshare of time with Jacob didn't eat any of the mandrakes, but she had two prolific children. <laughs> she had, in the, in the stream of things, she next had Issachar from that night, and she had 
Zebulun, the warrior tribe. These two tribes, we really cherish what they were supposed to be. Issachar, the one who uh, knows what Israel ought to do, a strong, as the scripture says, the scripture says this, a strong ass between two burdens. And then you had Zebulun, who was expert in war, not of double mind, <clears throat> knowing how to stay in rank. God knows we need those kinds of people. Those two are Leah's kids, which is weird to me. I mean, it, it's just weird to me. And I'm not doubting the fact that God wanted these two sons to be part of the lineage. They were exemplary out of those 12. I mean, these two were top shelf. But they came about through these crazy conflict, backroom deal, superstition. You know, sometimes we can try to help God out. And it usually doesn't work very well. And I've, I'm trying to learn this, and as much as I've taught on it and learned it in the past, it doesn't make it any easier when the next opportunity to apply the principle comes. Because you still have to deal with the same obstacles, but at least you know the principle. Um, maybe, you know, today in our society, all you hear about, is, well, we've been done wrong. You know, we need reparation. We need to be elevated. You know, this group is more preferred. They're privileged. Yep, 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 yep. yep. It, it has nothing to do with race, even though it's focused on there. But it's just the, it's the, it's the drum banging of the day. And that's what is happening in the spirit realm, because that's driving this. And it's been attacking the people of God. Maybe you're out there and you think, I've got a gift. But somebody else is taking the spotlight. Am I not just as good as them? Should I not be given a, a platform and a microphone as well? And if you go down that game, if you go down that trail, you are delaying God's fruitfulness in your life. I'm just telling you. And you're playing right into the hand of the enemy because this is what he's doing in this day and age. But it's not just now. It goes back through the scripture. I mean, it's, it's crazy. I, I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me. So Rachel gets these mandrakes and she swings the deal. Can you imagine that? This should be a very highly rated program. Um, Leah, old cow eyes, she's out there and she says to Jacob, hey, you're, you're spending the night with me. Uh, Rachel has swung this deal with me. Can you imagine how humiliating that must have been for her? <laughs> but she was more than willing to do it. And then she says, you know, I'm going to name this child Issachar because God has rewarded me for my wages. And in verse 18, she talks about because she gave her maiden to Jacob. Now, okay, that seems confusing. 
I mean, if if I had, and I know that this is the anointed, holy, inspired, infallible word of God, God breathed, what she was really saying was, I've had to participate in this nonsense. My husband doesn't really want to be with me. I've even had to give him my maids. And because I participated in this program and just swung this deal with another wife so that I could spend time with my husband. Uh, I think when she calls it her husband, she should italicize it, underline it, and bolden it. Because I've done this, God has looked at it and opened my womb and and given me this this, uh, uh, reward for what I hired out to, to, to gain today. What about Rachel? I mean, you can learn lessons from both of these. Um, First of all, Leah, I'm not holding her innocent in this. She had to know what her shifty father was setting up, and she had to know. I mean, if you think that two sisters did not talk about the fact for years that I'm going to marry this guy. Leah is not innocent here. I mean, what what do you think? I mean, if you fell in love with somebody and you're talking about, you know, we're, we're going to be married, but we're going to have to wait a while, and you're telling this to your sister or your cousin or whoever, and everybody knows it, and years go by, and then all of a sudden, your sister thinks, you know what, it's wedding night, I'm going to slide in there, I'm going to take your place. That's, that's heinous. I mean, I don't care about the culture of the day. That's what Laban says. I mean, it's kind of like a used car salesman saying, you break it, you bought it. I mean, I don't buy that. So Leah with all her protestations, has entered into this thing on a chicanerous note. But once it was done, it was being honored. So you learn there. I mean, she knew going in. Uh, and, and But you know, some people don't think. They, they think more highly of their plan than they do of reality. They think, well, if I do this and if I do this, then, you know, if I just clean the church or if I help the pastor here, then he'll ask me to sing a solo on Sunday morning. Then he'll do this. Well, the pastor was innocent of all of it. He knew nothing about that. But in that person's head, it was a fait accompli. And if if I'm going to do this and then it's going to happen. Well, tough luck on you. I mean... Nobody agreed to that. But then on the other hand, Jacob, I I don't understand how he didn't know. I've already talked about that. Um, I think I would have known. And right then, I mean, it would have been a different thing if, well, I don't want to go too far with this. But the other deal is that Laban knew. And I feel sorry for poor Rachel. Where was she on that night? Did 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 Laban have her tied up to a to a mulberry tree and 
gagged so that she couldn't cry out. This was a wedding celebration. Where was she? Where was she? Did they, did they give her sleeping pills or something? Overdose her on melatonin? So the next morning, they have this other, what did you do? You, you, you're a horse trader. You bait and switched me. I feel sorry for Rachel here. I, I really do. Everybody else, I find real problems with what they did and didn't do. But the point is, though, that usually a covenant person is going to have to deal with this kind of stuff. And it's not going to be fair. Did you hear me? David goes out and slays his tens of thousands. Now, again, I've said this before. I think if David hears those women singing, David has slain his tens of thousands, the, the king only a thousand, anybody with any sense at all would have gone to those women and said, don't sing that. You're putting a price on my head. That's, that's a death knell. Don't do it. David says nothing about it. He thinks it's great. He, he enjoys it. But that just fueled Saul's jealousy. But then David, he's just serving and he's fleeing for his life. Why? Well, the point is, is the covenant person is going to face things that are unfair. Rachel did. But when she made this deal with the love apples, you know, in Song, Song of Solomon 7.13, you see these uh, mandrakes mentioned. And um, it, it was just something that they thought was commensurate with passion. And the opening of the, of the womb or to the restoration of fertility and um, but it, it had no, I'm sure that if they'd entered internet back then, there'd been people selling this stuff at triple the price, uh, online. And at the very end, but wait, if you order three mandrakes today, we'll double your order. Just pay extra for shipping and handling. And people would have lined up to buy it because desperate people will buy into any kind of nonsense. So Rachel, in her frustration, um, God turned it for the good anyway, but getting these mandrakes was not going to help her in the walk of supplication. Sometimes we try to help God out. Sometimes we, we enter into superstition instead of faith. And hey, I know... I know what that feels like. Sometimes you're so desperate for an answer, you're willing to try anything. And, you know, where we are right now in, in the realm, it seems like God is saying, stand still and see the glory of the Lord. You just wait. Hold your ground. But, we're tempted to want to break through, take matters into our own hands, or run away. 
both of which are opposite extremes to standing. You think about that. If standing in the gap is in the center and you want to parats, and God's saying it's not time for the parats, or you want to go AWOL and run away, both of them are extremes. They're like false metanoia, false repentance. And what God's really saying is you just stand here. You stay here. And we want a solution. And it seems like the closer you get to the breakthrough, the more you're desperate for some kind of some kind of release from the gap you're standing in. Isn't that something? So we got to be really careful about wanting the quick fix. Be careful about the kind of deals the enemy is offering you right now. Um, be very careful about in this time of bear of seeming barrenness, which always sets is always a prerequisite to breakthrough. It's it's always a prerequisite to grace and supplication, finding for fruitfulness. We know this. Be careful in the midst of that, not to enter into some kind of a foolish love apple purchase. Now, again, God turned it for the good. Issachar, I think we would all say, thank God that boy was born. And Zebulun, woo, man, honestly, uh, if, and this is a, a really ridiculous proposition here. But if I was to look out over those, um, just the qualities of the people in those patriarchs. I know Christ Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, and that was Leah's kin. That's another one that's weird to me. I mean, it's just weird to me. But it is what it is, and I'm not doubting God. Uh, it's just that you just got to do what you're supposed to do and not you got to employ that what is that to thee principle that Jesus spoke to Peter. Because they had it too. You know, why don't you ask John? He's the one that Jesus really loves. You know, Peter says, what, what are you going to do with this guy? What are you going to do with John? And Jesus says, what is that to thee? We got we to gotta do that. Um, but if I was to pick, if, if, if you, you could have two of these guys to build a church with, uh, you might say Joseph, you know, he's up there, but Joseph had a lot of skills and a lot of coat of many colors and dreams and visions and went to Egypt and really displayed all these wonderful characteristics. Maybe Joseph would be in consideration. I really like Issachar and I really like Zebulun. And I, I would say if I had to choose the three, I'd take those three. What about Levi? All of you guys have your own preference. I mean, you have a bumper sticker that says, um, you know, 
<laughs> Yahoo for Benjamin. But, you know, I, I, just, I just see that, and I think, God, you worked through this in some way. You know, how did that work out for Abraham with Hagar and Ishmael? I mean, you think Rachel didn't know about that? <laughs> so, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just really, it's really an odd thing. But somehow God's in the midst of it. And the point here is that we, as the covenant people, I'm putting us in position here with Rachel right now. We've got to be very careful, very careful at this unique moment to honor what God is doing where he's placed us I and, and not make some superstitious or knee-jerk reaction maneuver to try to help God out. I mean, that's just just crazy. Let's just reiterate what happened here. Just, just in this one instance, Reuben goes out into the field during the time of wheat. <laughs> what time is it? It's wheat time. He goes out in the field, and he comes back with mandrakes. Love apples. Now, what we know about Reuben, I'm sure he ate a few of them on the way in. But that's another story. So his mother, Leah, sees them. Now, she, in her thinking, and I'm not in her head, but she doesn't want to inflame the passions of her husband because she knows where that'll direct him. It sure ain't coming to her. <laughs> So she's got these love apples, these aphrodisiacs, and she really she plays she plays the the fruit basket very skillfully. Rachel sees them, and Rachel thinks, "Aha! This is my solution. Give me some of your son's love apples." You know what? I'll give you some, but you who are in control of the tent flap. You, you have to agree to let me be with Jacob tonight. Rachel says, done. Done deal. So I don't know what Rachel was doing all that night. Maybe sitting over there eating love apples. Maybe she was making an, a love apple cobbler for, for Jacob. Uh, but that night, Leah's with Jacob. And the results, Issachar... <laughs> I'm conflicted here because, see, only God can, you know, my, my mentor, Brother H.C. Noah, used to say, and it was always so true, only God can unscramble an egg. Only God can turn chaos into victory. Issachar comes, Zebulun then comes, Leah thinks, I've won. But I'm more concerned about Rachel here. I'm sorry. Um, to me, she 
was the covenant woman. God shut her womb. It says, you know, he sees that Leah's hated, so he opens her womb. Well, what it doesn't say is, you know, it seems to me that whom God really loves, <clears throat> he presents the opportunity for a miracle. He, he, Abraham and Sarah, barrenness, miracle. Hannah and her husband, mother of Samuel, barrenness, miracle. Even Mary, who wasn't barren, but she was a virgin, the birth of Jesus, miracle. It goes on. We've taught on this many times in the past. So truly the covenant there and the love factor there, the agreed upon um, marriage situation there was with Rachel. And so God sees Leah as hated. He said, okay, let her have children. It wasn't a judgment against Rachel because Rachel, I really believe, was going to be in that condition anyway. At, you know, at least, of course, if, this, if what I'm going to say happened, then Jacob may have tried to make a different deal up front. But Leah is not a good-looking woman. And she seems pretty crafty. She was not attractive. Apologies to any one of us that are that way. But if if Leah had been a bombshell, then I could think, poor Rachel. I mean, she whiz. I mean, she. But that's not the case. Rachel was the one that won Jacob's heart and kept it. Rachel was the one that really stirred the the passions of Jacob. And Rachel was the one that he agreed for initially. And um, so she's the one that God was going to work this, this, uh, this barrenness miracle, and Joseph was the result. So the problem here is that Rachel dealt with all the same types of and, and predictably so, reactions that these other barren situations um, described and depicted throughout the Scripture. I, I feel badly for Leah. I feel badly for Rachel. I don't really feel badly for Jacob. <laughs> I just don't. I think he was as slick as, as Texas ice. And... Um, but yet, God, God used him. Um, we just have to make sure that we hold on to what God uh, has called us to be and what we've agreed to do. And hold on to the promise and don't, um, don't try to help God out. Don't try to take things into our own hands. Um, we get in trouble when we start comparing ourselves to others and when we try to be what, you know, what did Lot do? I mean, he, he was there with Abraham. He, he was there with his uncle. And he was blessed. 
But then he got it in his head, you know, I'm tired of being under the shadow of Abraham. And so he, where's he go? He and his wife who was urging him on, they go off to Sodom. Now, I know the Bible calls him righteous lot, but you can judge a lot of things by the fruit. What kind of fruit was there? <laughs> what kind of a father says, you know, take my two daughters uh, do whatever you want with them? What kind of daughters? How, what was their upbringing, you know? We, we're going to get out here and we're going to mate with our father, get him drunk. What, what kind of wife was that? You know, she, she didn't want to leave that debaucherous city, and God judged her. You know, what would have happened if Lot had stayed? I mean, Lot, it's a very similar kind of thing to what, um, and we've talked about this a few weeks ago, Laban was a, not not only a contemporary, but Laban was, you know, a similar piece as to what Lot was. Anyway, the point is, is that Lot could have been blessed. Cain could have been blessed. Saul could have been blessed. Um, Absalom could have been blessed. It goes on down the line. But... The point is, is that we've got to be really careful about the quick fix of love apples because they aren't going to provide anything. That deal generated nothing for Rachel. Now, it may have had some tasty food. There may have been some nutritional benefit. But the whole issue was not about fruit. It was about the aphrodisiac quality perceived to be in the fruit, which was nonsense. And... Um, we got to be careful right now. There's a lot of influences trying to get us to buck and run or to take matters into our own hands. Uh, Joseph is coming. And we, we are going to see what God said to do. Oh, yeah, listen. This past year has not been, you know, God's blessed it. We're blessed. But it ain't been easy. You know, I look back over from a year from ago to now. We had major things that we had scheduled around the world that all had to be canceled. Um, we were sequestered. We had to deal with pandemic restrictions. And it rolled down toward the end of the year, and I, I was in the hospital for weeks, three surgeries. And... Um, a lot of discomfort, a lot of, lot of money. So this past year was not, um, <laughs> it was a great year. God blessed us. It was a wonderful thing. And look at our country. Unrest. Um, look in the spirit realm. I've never faced things like I'm sensing now and warring against. It's, it's bizarre. It's bizarre, but yet God is with us and he's faithful to what he promised. He has done wonderful things. We're better off right now than we were a year ago at this time. Through all of that mess 
And the point is, is that it's God's work. It's not ours anyway. He's going to do something beyond and above what what would have happened had we just had free open run for the last year. So hold on. I know some of you are a little stir crazy. And and some of you every time a bell rings. Forgive me, I, I forget to silence my phone here. Um you know God is with us and he is he's helping us. Restrict your expectations and stick with who you are and and just serving God. You'll be a whole lot happier and so will everybody else around you. Um don't put in your order for love apples. God's with you, and in due time, he will provide. Well, God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll look forward to being with you again soon. Remember that we're praying for you. You should be receiving some type of a uh, uh, advertisement or advertisement for the upcoming seminar that's just a few weeks away. Uh, it's virtual this year. This Not this year. It's virtual in March. I am believing with you that by September we'll all be able to come here again, and between now and then we'll be able to go other places. But for now, let's remain faithful. Look for that that. Uh, brochure that's going to be sent and we will talk to you very soon. Till then, stay away from those love apples and God bless you.